Exodus chapter 4, we're going to start reading in verse 10. At this point, the Lord is telling Moses he needs to go back to Egypt. And Moses is not really arguing with God, but uh, he's doing what most of us do. He's, he's offering um, reasons why he can't do this. He's trying to, without sounding uh, like he's trying to get out of it, he's trying to get out of it. (laughs) So, verse 10, And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant. But I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb, or deaf, or the seeing? Or the blind, have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. And he goes on, and Moses kind of continues to resist a little bit. And finally he says, fine, that's the way you want it. I'm going to send Aaron with you. He can speak good. I know he can. You know, really what God was saying there is, I know he will. What I want to talk to you today is about your witness. This scripture we just read tells us one very important thing that God will do to help what most of us fear. I won't know what to say. I won't know how to say it. I know every one of you sitting here today probably at one time or another has thought that very thing when you're talking about telling someone about, about God or telling someone about Jesus or what He's done or, or inviting someone to church even. You've thought the same thing. I won't know what to say. So what happens? We don't do it. Well, see, God had something very important that needed to be done at this, at this point. Moses was the man He called to do it. And you know what? He was going to do whatever it took to get this accomplished. Whether Moses wanted to make excuses or not. And see, he said something there in verse 12 that was very key to what was going to happen. But Moses didn't want to start right there. He said, I will teach you what to say. I will give you the words that you need if you will just trust that I will. If you will just have faith that I'm able to overcome any physical impediment you might have, any kind of mental impediment you might have, any kind of fear that you might have, if you will trust in me, I will supply your need. But what does Moses do? You know, we we often look at Moses like he was this super great uh, prophet of God that never encountered any kind of problems. And y'all, Moses encountered problem after problem after problem dealing with his own problems, right? Time after time, God would have to kind of spur him along. So he's no different from any of us. He, we're still human. He was human. 
He had issues he had to face and deal with. But the point is, God was willing to work through those things if Moses would trust Him. We're in the same predicament today. God has put each and every one of us here for a purpose. We are to be a witness. We've been studying the book of John on Wednesday nights, and John the Baptist was sent to be a witness of what who was to come. He, that's what his purpose was, was to go and tell people about the coming Messiah. Call them to repentance. Y'all, that's pretty, pretty close to what we have to do today. Most of us don't choose to do it. Most of us just kind of want to not think about that for a little while, right? Because it's uncomfortable. It's awkward even to have to go and talk to somebody, especially somebody you don't know, which really should be the easier one, right? It should be easier to talk to people you don't know about something that's uncomfortable. But it's not. It's very difficult to walk up to somebody you don't know and say, Hey, do you know Jesus? It's such a simple thing, but it's difficult. Because there's this thing in us called pride that holds us back. And you know, Moses went through a whole lot of things to help strip that pride away. Y'all, we... We shouldn't have to go through that stuff. But you see time after time in this Word, that not even just Moses, but every time God called somebody, there was always something that He had to work on them with, right? He had to get themselves out of the way. To get them to the point where they're willing to listen to Him. Turn over to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, verse 7 through 12. And he called unto him the twelve, and began to send them forth by two and two, and gave them power over unclean spirits, and commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey, save a staff only, no script, no bread, no money in their purse, but be shod with sandals, and not put on two coats. And he said unto them, In what place soever ye enter into an house, there abide till ye depart from that place. And whosoever shall not receive you nor hear you when ye depart thence, shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. And they went out and preached that men should repent. So here we have... Almost the same situation. But what does Jesus do? He sends His disciples in groups of two. Why does He do that? Have you all ever thought about it? Why did He put all these limitations on them saying all you can take with you is a staff? Don't take any food. Don't take extra clothes. Don't take any money. Just take your staff. Why do they need a staff? Well, they use it for walking. 
They use it to beat off varmints that might try to attack them or anything like that. It was a useful item. They didn't need all that other stuff for a very important reason. They needed to trust God. And they didn't need to be trying to go and set up shelter anywhere for any reason other than what God provided. They didn't need to have some means outside of what God was going to do to do what they wanted to do. You see, when they got out there and they didn't have money or extra clothes and all these things, what did they have to do? They had to depend on God to provide where He wanted to provide. If you've got your own means, what can you do? You can take things into your own hands. So Jesus sent them out by two. Why did He send it two at a time? There's a couple reasons why. I'm telling you all this for a very good reason today, so just bear with me. He sent two out at a time so that, number one, the Word tells us what about two? Where, this, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. So they were guaranteed that when they went to someone, guess what? God was with them. Right? It's a promise of His Word. You stand on those promises, people. Number two, there was a, um, I don't know if I'd call it a law, but there was kind of a standard in that day going back to Deuteronomy that in the mouth of two or more witnesses, word was confirmed. Okay? Let me just share some of that with you right now. <clears throat> Second Corinthians 13 and 1 is one reference, but... It all references back to Deuteronomy 19 and 15. Uh, 2 Corinthians 13 and 1 said, This is the third time I am coming to you. In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. So, when you have two people going out, what, is, what, what do you do when you witness? So see, we overcomplicate this all the time. What is a witness? A witness in a court case. What do they do? They come, and they tell their story, right? I saw him take money from this lady. I saw that person break into this building. I saw whatever I saw, right? That's all they tell. What are, what are they often told? Just answer with a yes or no. Because the lawyer will say, Did you on this day see this happen? Yes. Why do they tell them, just answer with a yes or no? Because they don't want them adding to anything. We're sticking to this story, right? All we want from you is confirmation of this. Okay? So what is a witness? It's someone that tells what they've seen or experienced. That's it. You don't tell uh, all this other stuff that might be. You don't, you don't make assumptions about what you saw. That's why most times witnesses in a court case aren't given the liberty to just start talking. Right? We don't want any assumptions. There was this little quiz that they gave us at work one day. It's uh, You're supposed to read this story. And then you answer these these questions about it. And at any point in time, you can go back and reference this story. 
You know, it's right there, man. But they will ask you questions that force you to infer what you think happened. The whole objective is to answer, in a, you know, you have to answer these questions without inferring anything. You can only answer based on the facts of what you read in the story. But what do we want to do as a witness for, for God? We want to tell people, well, God can do this, God will do this, God might do that for you if you'll just come to... No. Just let's get that out of our head, people. That is not what our witness is about. Our witness should be, listen, this is what God did for me. This is what I know. Not what might happen. This is what did happen. Now, does that mean you're going to go tell people that God healed my leg and now it's whole again? Did it happen? If it did, great, but don't make up something. Don't tell them what happened to somebody else. Tell them what happened to you. Because, you know, sometimes we may look at our situation and say, well, this isn't great enough. I need to tell them about some great stuff I know. Y'all, I'm telling y'all right now, God's never restored a limb on my body. He's never restored sight to my eyes. He's never done anything crazy like that that you might read of in the Bible. But y'all, He he forgave my sins. He washed me clean. You see, it doesn't have to be something that's measured as greatness in the world's eye. But is it great to you? See, that's what a witness is. This is my story. I don't have to tell you somebody else's story. This is my story. This is what I saw happen. That's why we have four accounts of the life of Jesus Christ in the Bible. That's His story. I think it's amazing that they line up so close. But what do you see as you read those four Gospels? You see differences, don't you? You see different points of view. Sometimes you see a story that's the same, transcending all four. But what do you see in them? You see little differences because they saw different things. You see things from a different point of view. You'll see things in one book that don't even appear in the other book. Why is that? Because it's from four different people. So that's what your witness should be. It should be your story. When you go and talk to people, you should tell them, this is what He's done for me. And then you got somebody else there with you. What do they do? They corroborate it. A lawyer don't ever call one witness to the stand. If if that's all he's got, chances are nobody's going to believe him. Well, anybody can say something, right? I can walk up to you and just say anything. First thing that comes in my head, it don't have to be true. I can just make up something. But what are the chances that somebody else is going to come along and say the same thing? If it's not true, probably not. Okay? So that's why we want to have more than one person with us. That's why Jesus sent more than one person. So that the story could be told the same way. Not just the story, but the accounts. 
They went to people and what did they do? They were witnessing, but they were trying to call people to repentance. You see, that your story is great. It's wonderful to tell people about what God's done for you, but that's not where it should end. You see, people need to see that there is a difference in you and what do I need to get that? They need to understand that you can't keep living the way you're living and receive what I have. You can't stay where you are and get to where He is. There has to be some traveling that happens. There is a journey that takes place and it begins with accepting Jesus as your Savior. People need to know that He is the Savior. They need to know He is the way. They need to know He is the only one that can make a difference in their life. Y'all, this stuff is not difficult to say. Why are we scared? Why are we scared? Pride. I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want people to think things about me that I don't want to think I'm crazy. Y'all, do you believe your story? Do you believe your witness, your testimony? Because see, the way I have seen it most of my life is that when I know the truth and I tell the truth, I don't have anything to be afraid of. You see somebody that has witnessed something and they come to testify, it doesn't matter how crazy it sounds, right? Listen, I don't care what y'all think about me. I'm just telling you what I saw. Right? I've used this example many times over the past couple of weeks, but you remember that blind man that was healed. He said, y'all, I don't know anything about what you're talking about. You're calling him a prophet. You're calling him all this. I don't know. All I know to tell you is that I was blind and now I see. You see, I don't care what you think about me. This is my story. This is all I know to tell you. So when we go and we witness to someone, let's forget about what we're afraid of their perception. Because you need to answer this question to yourself. Do you believe what you're preaching? If you believe it, if you know it to be true, there is nothing to fear. So what if they think you're crazy? I would a whole lot rather be on the side of crazy, if that's what you want to call it, and be one of God's children. Wouldn't you rather leave this life knowing that you told somebody the truth, no matter how crazy it sounded? That's what we're afraid of, though. We're afraid some sinner of the world, some worldly person is going to think we're crazy. We're afraid we're not going to say the right thing. Y'all, what if you do say the wrong thing? Are they all any worse than they were before you said anything? They're still going to hell, right? So you didn't hurt them any. You can't do anything but go up from there, right? You didn't send them further into hell. If they were going to hell already, then they don't get no worse. So can you really hurt them any? No. Speak what you know. 
Tell them about Jesus. Tell them what He's done. Do you have to know every detail? No. Do you have to have every... See, we're all afraid they're going to ask us a question that we don't know the answer to. Did that blind man know the answer to their questions? No. He said, I don't know. All I know is I was blind and now I see. And they ask you a question, well, how about this? What about that? How about this one? You know, because some people have those kind of arguments. They have an argument for everything. But all you have to say is, listen, all I know is I was lost. Now I'm found. I was going to hell, but now I'm going to heaven. I had sin, but now it's washed away. I can't explain it. I just know it to be true. We're so afraid. So afraid that we're going to be caught and look foolish. Well, you know the Word tells us something to prepare us for that. It says study to know, show yourself approved. A workman that needeth not be ashamed. Rightly dividing the Word of truth. So you say, well, I don't know the Bible good enough. Well, whose fault is that? It's not God's fault. It's been supplied to you. It's up to you to get into it and study it. So you can't use that as an excuse anymore. You see, Moses wanted to use the excuse, well, God, I can't talk. I don't know what to say. I'm slow to speech. Some of us will say, well, I can't come up with the comeback quick enough. This ain't a debate, people. This ain't an argument. What God say? He said, I'm going to teach you what to say. That wasn't good enough. No, God, come on now. I can't talk, man. He said, all right, fine. I know Aaron, your brother, he's a Levite. He knows how to talk. He will say what I want him to say. So I'm going to send him with you. Now what's your excuse, buddy? Right? I pulled away every excuse you got. Now what are you going to do? You're going to invent something now? Right? What is your excuse today, people? I'm asking myself the same question, y'all. I'm not... I have to address it that way because I'm up here and you're over there. What is your excuse today? Why is it that, that we don't want to talk? He's given us His Word. He's given us eyewitness account of what happened. Word tells us, I believe it was Peter, he said that we have not followed cunningly devised fables. Right? This isn't, this isn't stories people sat around and made up, made sure all the pieces fit. No. This is eyewitness accounts. Right? This is the Word of God. How many of y'all here today believe that this is the perfect, infallible Word of God? I see a whole lot of hands. Okay? So we've got that one out of the way. It's not the Bible's fault, right? The Bible... It's, we, we believe it to be perfect. That's God's Word. Okay? Does everybody have access to a Bible today? You may not have it with you, but do you, can you get one? I think everybody here does. So we don't have some oppressive ruler that has taken all of our Bibles away. And we're all trying to share page after page. Most of y'all sitting here today have got some phone or, or electronic device that even has it on it can get it anywhere you are, whether you forgot your Bible at home or not. So that's not a problem. We've got 
the perfect Word of God and everybody has access to it. We've got a historical record that, that corroborates what the Bible tells us to be true. Historical record that dates back as far as you can imagine that tells the same stories. Puts people in the same places as what the Bible says. So we know it to be true. Pretty much everybody here today has had an experience with God. Right? If you know God as your Savior, you know Jesus died on the cross for your sin. What else do you need? What else do you need? Y'all, He's my Savior. He's my King. There is nobody on this earth that I want to please more than Him. Nobody. There is nobody on this earth that I would rather put in front in my life. Him. It's it's Him. He is my blessed King, my Savior, my Redeemer. He's my healer, my provider. He has always been there for me. He has met every need that I've had. Why am I afraid? What do I have left to hang on to? What excuse do I have? Y'all, I'm not a great public speaker, but I can get up here Sunday after Sunday and let the anointing of the Holy Spirit fall upon me and I can say things I hadn't even thought of because... He will empower you. Just like He told Moses, I will teach you what to say. He will do the same for you. He will give you words that you hadn't even conceived of if you will allow Him. But what was necessary? Moses had to trust God. He had to step out. What did God do? He said, I'm going to tell you what to say. I'm giving you these signs. He gave him the the rod. He He could turn into a serpent. He could throw it down. That's a sign, right? That wasn't enough, okay, God, but yeah, what if what if they don't believe me? He said, okay, here's another one. Take your hand, put it in your cloak, and pull it out again. And he did. You know what happened? His hand had leprosy on it. And what did he do? He put it back in, pulled it out, and it was healed. Y'all, if that don't convince you, I don't know what will. Leprosy is not something like... His hand was all of a sudden just red or something, like he put it in and die, and then wiped it off. No, it had sores, it had flaking skin, and, and all kinds of just nastiness on his hand, right? It was obvious when people saw it what it was. So God gave him these signs also. Not only did He say, go, tell him I am, but He said... Take these signs. Here, do this and do that. All these things to show them that I'm the one that sent you. And what did Moses say? Well, I can't talk, God. What was he afraid of? Well, look, here's a little deeper insight on Moses. Y'all, I want to really drive this point home to you today. Moses was raised as an Egyptian. You know, I never thought of this before, but did he speak Hebrew? Didn't really tell us, did it? Probably he spoke some Hebrew. You know, slaves were around all the time. 
He probably spoke some Hebrew. But you can see there could be a communication barrier there. So there's, there's many things that went into this that, that gave Moses a reason to have some anxiety over it. But y'all, I'm telling you today, it's not like we're going to a foreign country. It's not like we're dealing with people on a daily basis that don't understand our language. They, don't, they even understand our euphemisms. They, they understand the, the way we speak, the phrases we use. These people are all around us on a daily basis going to hell. Where is our witness? What are we telling people? What aren't we telling people? Why aren't you telling them? 